We're going through certainly economic uncertainty, dealing with inflation we haven't seen in decades. The battle against inflation rages on as the latest Canadian CPI numbers come in hotter than expected. In today's episode, portfolio managers Chris Heeks, Om Karmelkar, and your host, Kevin Prinz, explore fixed income positioning as bond yields edge higher. They also discuss what to expect heading into earnings season, U.S. banks, and oil and gas prices. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. Hello and welcome back to the Views from the Desk weekly podcast, where teams from BMO ETFs give you insights what's going on in the markets from the perspective of ETFs. This is Kevin Prince. Let me kick off today with introducing our guests welcoming in Chris Heeks and Om Karmalkar. And both are portfolio managers at BMO ETFs. Chris, Om, thanks for joining me today. Good to be here, Kevin. Thanks for having us, Kevin. Well, let's get right into it. I want to spend some time, first of all, on the fixed income space, because we've certainly seen the, the price action in bonds in general. It's been weak in the past couple of months. Chris, you know, tell us what's going on here. And, you know, what is the future of bond yields and, and what does this really bode for that specific asset class? For sure, Kevin. So maybe start at, you know, the very beginning of summer or even the end of spring. Start with inflation. We were seeing some moderation in inflation and that was giving hope to investors that, you know, the interest rate cycle really was coming to an end. But what we've seen the past couple months has been a little bit of a reversal. Now, we're not seeing that 5 to 10% inflation we were seeing last year, but we're still seeing it run a little hotter than perhaps investors were expecting. We had the CPI release in Canada yesterday. Uh, markets were expecting a 0.3% month over month and a 3% for the 12 month or one year measure, uh, but came in a little hotter, came in at 0.6 for one month and came at 3.3 for the one year. And, you know, one thing that's just kind of put a cap on is, you know, a general rise in yields. So over the past couple of months, we've seen a rise, you know, and particularly in the 10-year. And if you look at it now, both in Canada and the U.S., that 10-year is actually at a 15-year high. So even relative to some of the higher yields we had last year, that, that 10-year is actually at a 15-year high, 3.75% uh, in Canada, and just over 4.2% in the U.S. So as you know, when yields go up, that tends to move bond prices down. And that's really been the driver of the weakness. Now, where do I think the opportunity is, is listen, um, you know, with yields in excess of 5%, fixed income is much more attractive here than it was perhaps at the start of the rate hiking cycle when it was much, much lower. And duration, and in general, bonds can also provide you know that great asset allocation versus um, versus equities, the diversification benefits. So what I look at as an opportunity is look, the ten-year yields are at ten, or excuse me, fifteen-year highs. You know, perhaps this is an opportunity to add some duration to your portfolio that can balance out against equities 
and also provide a really strong level of yield. So in particular, you know, and we've got, you know, you know, as you know, Kevin, we've got a, you know, no, no shortage of very precise fixed income tools in terms of ETF exposures. But to highlight one that I think, you know, could, could potentially work very well is our ZCB, the BMO Corporate Bond Index ETF. Very simple. It's the universe of Canadian corporate bonds, investment grade bonds, triple B and above. A very straightforward ETF, very liquid, a very compelling, I would say, 15 basis points management fee, so very cost efficient. And looking at it as an exposure, the duration's just under six years on this. The yield to maturity YTM is at 5.67%, so almost 5.7% on a YTM. For those with perhaps shorter duration uh, fixed income portfolios, I think perhaps with yields up this high, it's an opportunity to potentially add to your duration and and uh, and increase yield overall in the portfolio. So I think ZCB again is you know one of the great tools we have that can help accomplish that. Thanks, Chris. And what I really like about what you're saying, you know, when I'm hearing the higher yields, you know, fixed income really is coming into that traditional form of the asset class where. Not only is it offering the diversification that everybody's been benefiting from, but now also offering that income aspect to that asset class. Yep, absolutely. Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's money market and ultra-short-term bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS. Oh, let me bring you into the conversation here. I want to talk to you about uh, low volatility, the factor itself. It's kind of lagged this year. And can you give a, some insights of what's causing this lag and maybe say a little bit about the outlook going forward, please? Yeah, for sure, Kevin. So yeah, the, the low vol factor and the strategy has definitely lagged versus the broad market uh, on a year-to-date basis. And you know one of the main reasons for for this lag is we've seen a very strong growth rally, mainly driven by the technology companies this year. So you know just put it put put some numbers in perspective. We saw companies such as Nvidia rally 200% in the last seven months. We saw Meta rally 150% in the last seven months. So low wall strategies or the factor you know tends to lag during these strong growth market rallies, and that's mainly due to the way these strategies are created or structured, right? These strategies tend to hold less risky stocks versus high risky stocks. For example, you know, in the US, a low wall strategy or factor might hold a company such as Campbell Soup instead of a technology name. So again, you know, the number one goal of low wall strategy is to accomplish less drawdown. And this puts investor in a better position to have good returns going forward. So during market downturns, these strategies tend to do well. So you win by not losing. In terms of the outlook for low vol, you know, we are still very constructive on low vol uh, factor and the strategy, uh, given that we still have a lot of headwinds in the equity market driven by monetary policies and inflation concerns. As Chris mentioned, you know, we recently saw some of the inflation data come in. And even though we, you know, it has come down. It has been very persistent at these current levels. So we're still dealing with inflation, and because of that, you know, there is still a probability that there could be a hard landing or a recession 
you know, uh, in the in the in the coming uh, coming time frame. So if we do see some of these risks materialize, having exposure to the lower risk, lower volatility equities can be a great addition to a portfolio to help balance that risk. Again, it's a great strategy to hold, especially for investors concerned about the downside and want to skew away from some of the cyclical sectors, want to skew away from that technology growth factor, given that it has rallied so much uh, in the past few months. These are very highly complementary strategies. You know, they're pure play approach, which looks very different from the index and helps translate into diversification for the portfolio. Finally, I'll just add one more thing. You know, another way to use these strategies could be in barbell approaches within the portfolio by combining your low volatility factor with the growth factor. Give you an example, ZLU, which is the BMO US low volatility ETF, helps provide that defensive low volatility exposure. Combining that with ZNQ, which is the BMO US NASDAQ uh, ETF, you know, which provides more of a growth uh, exposure. And by combining this uh, together, you're able to create a barbell approach to help provide a much better risk-adjusted return versus the broad market. Thanks, Ol. I appreciate the examples of different ways to use it. And what, what I'm really hearing from you, of course, is that the underlying is very different than the index. So, of course, you should get different performance. But that really does bring an element of diversification to the portfolio for people going forward, which is not bad at any time, especially as people are thinking more cautious going forward. Exactly. Chris, let me bring you back into the conversation here. I want to talk to you about one of the popular topics out there, banks, because it's that time again. Earnings seasons is right around the corner. RBC and TD are scheduled to kick off the quarterly earnings August 24th. Um, you know, give us some thoughts on uh, market expectations for this you know, upcoming earnings and then maybe your thoughts on banks in general here in Canada. And I might come back to you a little bit later on and talk to you about the U.S. banks too, please. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, we've seen a little bit of weakness of the banks here coming into earnings. And we're going to talk a little bit more about U.S. banks uh, as well, which do play into Canadian banks since Canadian banks generally have some U.S. exposure as well. Absolutely. Earnings are right around the corner. You know, as we recall, banks are on a slightly different schedule than the calendar. So uh, it'll be July um, July 31 results that'll be available uh, for that quarter starting next week. Um, the expectations are a little bit of weakness. So they're expecting cash earnings to be down about 5%. And I'm, I'm uh, taking this from uh, Sorab Movedetti's uh, research report here at BMO Capital Markets. And, and of course, we're going to have, uh, you know, a, a banks specific podcast to unpack it all, you know, in a couple of weeks, uh, but a little bit of weakness in earnings. You know, why is that just a recognition of risk in the market with higher interest rates? Obviously, that puts pressure on on loan books. So they're the banks are putting aside credit provisions and dealing with that, you know, preparing for potentially, as, as Om said, a softer market. One thing that's interesting when you talk about banks is often a good time to buy banks is when they are building these credit provisions. And actually, what has historically worked around banks is that time when the banks have the maximum credit provisions is a good time to buy. And so when you unpack it all, look at Canadian banks where they are right now, you're looking at a forward price earnings multiples. Even if earnings are down 5%, we're still talking about 9.5x on the forward PE multiple price to earnings. That's an attractive level versus long-term averages. Uh, on a price to book metric, you know, versus long term averages, it's about 1.35. Uh, 
um, below the average. If you look at dividend yields of the banks, the average dividend yield uh, that you would find uh, in our two Canadian bank ETFs, uh, the banks are yielding about 5.2% right now. And you know, as we've talked about before, a higher dividend yield often creates a good buying opportunity uh, for the banks because when yields are higher, that means prices tend to be lower. Overall, you know, for sure, we're going through uh, certainly economic uncertainty, you know, dealing with inflation we haven't seen in, in, in decades, but these are very high quality companies, you know, and I view uh, some of the weakness we've seen recently as, as good opportunities to potentially add to banks and portfolios and hold for that long term. And, and I think that's really the best approach to take is holding through the credit cycle is a potentially very strong one for the Canadian banks. So that's the quick recap, and we'll come back with more to unpack it you know, after we get those results. Thanks for that, Chris. Now, maybe let's let's touch a little bit about U.S. banks. Certainly seen some in the media recently in the U.S. banks. Can you give us some thoughts in that area too, please? Yeah, for sure. So this week we, we got from Fitch, a ratings agency, uh, warnings of a possible downgrade to U.S. banks. And that, you know, sparked some concern. And, and let's remember it was only what was it, only only three, four months ago that we had significant volatility with U.S. banks, right, with the regional banking crisis that originated out of Silicon Valley and then spread a little bit out to other certain regionals uh, in the market. So it's a market that there's, there's, listen, there's sensitivity around U.S. banks. And then Fitch came out and said, you know, there's maybe a downgrade potentially coming one tick. When you look at that, it just speaks to fear in the market and fear tends to lead to selling, which tends to lead to decreased prices. You know, off the back of that, U.S. banks on average were down a couple percent. Like I said, it read through to Canadian banks too and even caused some weakness in Canadian banks. At a high level, how do you look at U.S. banks in a portfolio? Uh, Listen, they've sold off quite a bit already this year. They just went through kind of earnings seasons a few weeks ago. Overall, very strong earnings, very strong fundamentals, and we've seen some really strong price action up until about a week ago, uh, which tells you that the high-quality names are finding that ability to recover. In terms of the economic backdrop, we always have to be cognizant of a possible hard landing, but right now we're, we're still seeing that soft landing scenario. Retail sales in the U.S. were very strong this week. Percent, consumer is strong, the labor market is tight. Those are good factors from a credit perspective in the U.S. and and read through nicely to U.S. banks. So overall, you know, I think there's an opportunity there with U.S. banks. In terms of portfolio positioning, you know, I always like having Canadian banks. Canadian banks are more defensive, have a better competitive positioning in the market, and quite frankly, just have a, a lower risk profile. U.S. banks, you don't need as much to get the job done is what I'm getting at. But, you know, I think a satellite position less than potentially what you would have in Canadian banks makes sense. Uh, One that I like is the ZWK, so the BMO Cover Call US Banks ETF. A couple of reasons I like this. Number one, there's volatility with respect to US banks, and the Cover Call overlay can add to income, take advantage of that volatility. There's also US dollar exposure in this ETF, and should we have those economic you know, slowdown and weakness that U.S. dollar is going to be beneficial. Uh, so that's one. And then, you know, if you prefer a non-cover call strategy, you know, we have those tools as well. I think there's an opportunity there as well for for long-term investors, particularly ones who can, uh, you know, take on that little bit higher risk profile associated with U.S. banks. Thanks for that, Chris.
Would you like to hear more from BMO Global Asset Management's team of investment experts? Check out the BMO Market Insights podcast. These timely episodes deliver the latest news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing with a focus on exchange-traded funds. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. Oh, I got one question for you in regards towards oil and gas. You know, we've certainly seen prices start to pick up after a steady decline. You know, what's caused a more recent rally? And give some thoughts on how investors can get access to the exposure, please. Let's go back in time to 2022 to understand what what happened with the decline and what's happening with, uh, you know, current oil prices. So we we saw oil rally significantly in 2022. So it was above $100, $110 per barrel. And that was mainly due to a few things. One was supply chain disruptions. One second was Russia-Ukraine war, which caused, again, you know, supply issues. And third was because of that, we saw an assumption that would be increased demand for energy, not just from Europe, but also from China as they started to reopen their economy from their zero COVID policy. Now, if we go to the end of 2022, in the last few months of 2022, we saw that the demand from Europe was less than expected for oil and gas, as the winter wasn't as severe as the market had predicted. And also the Chinese economy, the rebound was underwhelming. And despite, we did see energy consumption increase in China, but it was much below expectations. And that's why we saw that steady decline in oil prices. What has changed recently is, you know, we've seen oil prices rally significantly, 20% from the lows. And the price of oil went from, it was around mid, uh, just below $70, $68 per barrel mid-June to above $80 in just a matter of months. And this was driven by a few things. And the most important one was OPEC Plus, mainly led by Saudi Arabia, came out and said, we'll be cutting supply by 1 million barrels per day. And they've come out and said, uh, again, Saudi has come out and said that, you know, for now it's until end of September, but if need be, we will keep cutting to maintain uh, price power within uh, crude oil. On top of that, during the summer, we have actually seen record level of demand for oil due to strong summer air travel, increased oil use in, you know, power generation. And again, as I mentioned, you know, we have still seen increased demand uh, in, in the Chinese economy, especially in the petrochemical activities. So there is still a lot of positive news within the oil sector, and that's why we have seen that spike. Another source of demand in the near future, you know, a lot of people might not know, is the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve, the SPR. And this is just an emergency stockpile of petroleum maintained by the U.S. government, which they deploy depending on the need of the U.S. economy. And this reserve has actually been depleted significantly last year due to those supply constraints. So these levels are close to the levels that we saw in the mid-1980s. So once they start stockpiling the reserve, this can be another source of demand down the path. So for investors looking to get exposure to this, there are two main ways, I would say. You know, investors who are more comfortable with a higher beta to the market can get exposure through ZEO which is the BMO Equal Weight Oil and Gas ETF. You know, this is an ETF that holds equal weight of blue chip companies such as Suncor, Sanovis Energy. 
for investors who are a bit more conservative and want an income tilt within their portfolio can get the exposure via ZWEN, which is the BMO Covered Call Energy ETF. Again, you know, this also holds blue chip companies within the ETF uh, and uh, writes uh, call options on top of it. And because of that, it's able to generate a higher dividend yield of approximately eight and a half percent. So again, it really depends on how uh, the investor's portfolio is positioned and depending on their risk levels, they're able to get that exposure either through ZEO or ZWEN. Oh, thanks for that. I really appreciate the color, what's going on behind the scenes of the oil and gas industry. That was uh, very insightful. Thank you for that. That brings us to a close for this week's session. I'm going to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to us this week and listen to the experts, as well as those people out there that sent their questions in. We really appreciate that. It helps drive the content. Thanks to both Chris and Ohm for providing some great insights this week. Hope you can join us again next week. Have a great day going forward. Cheers. Thank you to Kevin Prinz, Chris Heeks, and Ohm Karmelkar for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Corporate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZCB, which invests in Canadian investment-grade corporate bonds rated triple B and above. Our experts also discussed recent movements in oil and gas prices. The BMO Equal Weight Oil and Gas Index ETF, ticker ZEO, invests in blue-chip companies such as Enbridge, Synovus, and Suncor Energy. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.